Now, would you turn with me, please, to that portion of God's Word that we read? The Acts of the Apostles, in chapter 24. And we read those words that I'm sure have been read and have been preached upon on many Sabbath evenings in the past. Verses 24 and 25. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. And we wish to consider the words in the middle of verse 25. Felix trembled. Felix trembled. Now you notice here in verse 24 that verse 24 brings before us an event in itself. Because verse 24 tells us something that I believe is significant. It tells us that after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla. I want you to, to imagine just for a moment the, the grandeur of the place that is brought before us here. We have this Roman governor, and he has this place of prestige and this place of importance. And there is indeed with this, there is all of the splendor and all of the opulence that goes with this office. He comes from a type of a palace. And we are told as he leaves that place, he comes with his wife, Drusilla, onto the place where the Apostle Paul is. He comes to the prison. He comes to the dungeon. Now, whenever the reason might be why he comes, at least we are told this. He comes and he hears him concerning the faith in Christ. This might well be what he's interested in, at least in an outward way. But he comes and he brings with him Drusilla. Now, let me just say this. You'll probably know this yourselves. Drusilla, we know from the, the secular historians, 
This is Felix's third wife. She has a pedigree. We are told here she's a Jewess, but we know something else about her. She's the daughter of Agrippa I. She's the sister of Agrippa II. She was married when she was 14 years old for the first time. She has obviously apostatized from the Jewish faith because now she, she marries a Gentile. And she's with Felix here, enjoying all of the, the splendor of that office. And so when the Apostle Paul comes, he's not afraid of the preaching. He's not afraid of holding back because we read something vitally important. And indeed, it is something for us to take notice of, that when Paul comes, he reasons of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. You see, he had an audience in front of him. Felix and Drusilla. And if there is one thing that marked them out was they were intemperate. Temperance means self-control. Here, these people were immoral people. And Paul comes and he preaches this word to them. And as he preaches this word, we are told that Felix trembles. That's the first thing I want us to consider this evening. Felix trembled. Why was it that Felix trembled? What was it in the preaching of the Apostle Paul that led this man who had the power of life and of death of Paul, of all of the rest in his hands, apart from Caesar himself, what led him to tremble under the words of the Apostle Paul? Well, the first thing is this, that as Paul preached of that righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, what was Paul preaching? He was preaching the law. He was preaching the law. What does, what does that remind us of? Well, it reminds us, friends, that in Galatians chapter 3, it is the law is that schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. That is the purpose of the law as it goes forth. And that was the purpose of the law even in the Old Testament. It wasn't the case, and who, who knows whether Drusilla would have known this or not. It wasn't the case in the Old Testament that the Jews were, were saved by the law, and in the New Testament uh, that the saints are saved by grace. And that's not how it is. In the Old Testament, those that were saved in the Old Testament were saved by grace. That is the only way of salvation. It is by the grace of God. But the law was used particularly to show man his condition. And what does it show us of our condition? It shows us, friends, that in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. The law is inflexible. The law cannot be bent. The law is, is that rigorous, firm, setting forth 
of the truth of God. I'm trying to, to remember who it was that said this. I, I have a feeling that it was Rabbi Duncan. And he, he brought before us some of the, the conundrum, I suppose, that many face today as they, they listen to uh, the preaching uh, of the Word. And it is this, that we know that in and of ourselves we cannot repent and we cannot turn to the Lord. We know that we must repent and we must turn to the Lord. We cannot and yet we must. We cannot and yet we must. And what was Duncan's answer to that? Ah, he says, this can only be reconciled in Jesus Christ himself. And friends, that is what the law in its purpose was doing. It was pointing men away from the impossibility of saving themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the end of the types and the shadows. And Paul comes here uh, with, a, with a boldness that only one sent from the Lord can have. And he comes and he preaches this righteousness, this temperance, and this judgment to come. And under that, to a degree, Felix begins to tremble. We also know that what our confession refers to as the common operations of the Holy Spirit was at work. If you cast your minds back to the Old Testament and to, to Exodus itself, you will remember that Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh because the Lord had commanded them to lead his people out of the land of Egypt and to go three days' journey into the wilderness to worship him. And you will remember that when they come before Pharaoh, Pharaoh asks this question at the, the very opening chapters of Exodus. Who is this God of the Hebrews that I should obey him? And the entire book of Exodus is answering that question, who the God of the Hebrews is. And you will remember that piece by piece, it had to be prized out of Pharaoh to move a little bit to release the children of Israel. And you will remember that the plagues came, and each time under a plague, Pharaoh, he trembled. You see, this was a common operation of the Spirit. The Lord was using the Word, and he was using these great plagues, these miracles, 
to shake Pharaoh. And friends, this was the word that was sent here to shake Felix. And we read that he trembled. Now, when we come here and we, we read in verse 25 of the judgment to come, we have no way of knowing what was going through the mind of Felix. But one of the things that surely must have come to his mind as he heard of judgment to come was this truth, his own mortality, his own mortality. He might have lived in a great palace. He might have directed legions of men. He might have controlled much of the, the commerce of, of Asia. But friends, surely, 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 when he heard of judgment to come, he was thinking, at least for a short while, of his own mortality. He was surely thinking of a time when there would be a separation of body and soul, and that he might have to stand before the Lord. Now, it's obvious here that this man was a hardened man. But friends, even under the word of God, this hardened man surely had a thought of his own mortality. It's a strange thing, isn't it? To be brought to think of our own mortality. It's very easy for us to think of other men's mortality. It's very easy for us to think about those that are sitting next to us, in front of us, behind us, in this church this evening, are mortals. That there is a day that will come that they will hear that voice calling to them. It's not so easy to think of ourselves, is it? And yet, somebody is sitting next to us, in front of us, or behind us. And they are thinking of that mortality about us. And friends, it is sure that as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this, the judgment. See, he was faced with his own mortality. And that will make any man, when he is faced with that, surely tremble in even the slightest of measures. But you know, he was faced with something else. He was faced with righteousness. He was faced with the holiness of God. We see, don't we, in a, in a small way, we see an expression of the holiness of God even if we take up those Ten Commandments, which are a summary of the law. We mentioned this morning of the condescension of God in allowing us to take his holy name upon our lips and in prayer itself. This God who is of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. 
he was brought to see something about the holiness of that God. And friends, I neither have the, the depth of what is needed to explain to you the holiness of God nor the power of language. But friends, if we just get a glimpse, a small glimpse of how holy our God is, this evening we would be trembling in this building. This evening I would be trembling in this pulpit. Felix perhaps got something of that, even in that word righteousness itself. But you know, when we come a little bit further on and we read what happens in the end of verse 25 and verse 26, I believe that it is more than he has been touched by the law itself. I believe that it is more than he's faced with his own mortality. I believe that it is more than he sees the, the holiness of God. What we fear here is that this trembling was a trembling of indignation under the preaching of Paul as he preached righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a rich young ruler who comes to him. And he reminds him that there is one thing, as he thinks that he has kept all of the law, there is one thing that he lacks. And you see, what he lacked was he was holding on to those riches. That was his, his God, in a sense. And we're told about him, and some of the, the commentators are divided onto what ultimately happened, this rich young ruler. But what we're told of him that I believe is the complete opposite of, of what we are told here of Felix, we're, we're told that he didn't go away in indignation. He went away sorrowful. He went away sorrowful. What that sorrow was, we do not know. But here, there is a sense that there is indignation. Because he says to Paul, go thy way this time. In other words, he didn't wish to hear what the apostle was bringing to him. The apostle was bringing good news of the gospel. He was bringing to him the way of salvation. He didn't want to hear it. We might say that is a terrible thing. Well, friends, some of us have been in a position like that. Some of us have heard the word. And we said that we wanted nothing to do with it. Ah, friends, we're thankful that the Lord didn't take that as the end. The Lord pursued us. 
the Lord pursued us. Here is a man who is trembling in indignation. And yet he faced one who was preaching, who believed every word that he was saying. One could not be faced with the Apostle Paul, thinking that here was a man that was half-hearted in what he was saying. And we read that Felix trembled. The second thing is this, friends. This is a solemn thought. But Felix was only trembling. Felix was only trembling. You see, this trembling that he had, as the Apostle Paul came and reasoned, reasoned, the gospel is the most reasonable thing of all. It is reason itself. As he reasoned of righteousness, oh, what a reasonable thing righteousness is. What a reasonable thing holiness is. What a reasonable thing Christ is. As he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, self-control. You see, the problem this evening out there in the world is that there is little by way of self-control. The governments indulge it. The schools promote it. So often the churches excuse it. But Paul comes and he reasons of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. And Felix trembles. Perhaps it's his hands. Perhaps it's a trembling all over. There's certainly here this thought that it is a fear. Ah, but friends, you know, there is a, a danger of having the emotions affected alone and not the will and the understanding. You see, this is all that he does. Had the understanding been affected, had the will been changed, or when Felix trembled, it would be trembling before the throne of Almighty God. He would come in repentance and in faith. It would be a trembling in the heart, the inside. The word of God would have so affected him. You'll know yourselves the twofold aspect of repentance. A one-sided repentance is no repentance at all. Of course, there is the side of repentance that there is a, a, a turning of the back upon sin. Uh, a, a desire to be over and finished with. It is, it is something that comes from within. A, a remorse affects the outward things. It, uh, it affects the, uh, the emotions. 
when repentance comes, genuine repentance, it's that which is within. And he would come with repentance, a, a turning of the back upon sin, a, a turning of the back upon all that was going on here in this world around Drusilla and, and around his, his debauchery. But there would be something else. And this is the key part, perhaps, of repentance. Because as there is the turning of the back upon sin, so there is the turning towards the Lord. The turning towards the Lord. And friends, that is where the face must be. That is where the face must be. Towards the Lord. You know, we have touched on the emotions. I say this in passing. Be very careful of your dependence upon the emotions. I say this to us as, as Christians. If we place all our dependence upon the emotions, there will be days that we will feel assured. And there will be other days that we do not feel assured. Now, where should uh, our standing be? Well, our standing should be in Christ, according to the word of God. There's that word that comes to the understanding. What is the promise, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Friends, that is something that we can hold on to that doesn't fluctuate with the emotions. Here was a man who only trembled. Friends, this evening, here on a Sabbath evening, if it is the case, and I'm speaking to some of you, and perhaps as you, you are faced by, by the word uh, as it goes forth, uh, perhaps over months, perhaps over years, and you tremble under the word, be careful that that is all that you do under the word. And yet be careful as well that you don't become insensitive to that operation of the Spirit, even outwardly. Because there is a danger that we become so immune to the word as it goes forth that the trembling stops. And we have the expectation of what's coming next. And we lose the sensitivity. Felix trembled. Felix only trembled. But you notice here that this was a lonely trembling. It was a lonely trembling. We read this about Felix but Drusilla is also here. We don't read that Drusilla trembled under the preaching of the word. 
We don't read that any in the court trembled under the preaching of the word because it's unlikely that Felix and Drusilla would have come on their own. Well, you might say, maybe these others, they weren't elect. Well, we don't believe that Felix was either. See, people can use excuses like that. Friends, be very careful that you do not use what is God's secret decree to excuse your own lack of response to the things of the gospel. That is the most serious thing. You have a duty this evening. Don't protrude yourself into God's duty. There is a trembling here, but it's alone. It didn't have the same effect on the rest. And friends, this is quite a, a frightening thing in many ways because there was at least not even that outward response from Drusilla to the word of God. Felix trembled. It was a lonely trembling. It was only a trembling. I want us to just consider these few thoughts as we close. What should Felix have done? What should he have done when Paul came and reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come? Well, friends, he should have gathered together his standing and waited with the promises of God. That's what he should have done. He should have taken his own standing, that standing that he had, that fear of Caesar that he had, that fear of Drusilla that he had. He should have taken that fear of man and he should have waited against the promises of God. Him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. See, friends, he might have looked at Caesar. And what he should have seen in Caesar was this. I might be Caesar's friend, but the people of God will indeed have that common bond with me as friends in the gospel. And that is so of us this evening. You know, we might fear men. Here's a man that might have feared his wife. Here's a man that feared his boss. He had a, he had a fear of men. Ah, but friends, you see, one thing he was looking to the inside. That's where fear comes from. When we look to Christ, he's the one that takes away the fear. He should have taken his sin and he should have waited with the demands of Christ. 
He might have come and he might have, as he heard of this preaching of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, he might have seen uh, this, this sin so great. But ah, but he should have remembered that the Lord can give you affections. The Lord can give new affections. That there, there is the promise that sin now has no more dominion over us. He might have looked to himself and had this feeling that he was unworthy. Of course he was. We all are. But friends, where is that worthiness to come from? It's to come from Christ himself. He should have taken his arguments and he should have weighed them by the teaching of Scripture. Now, we have all been there. We have all made arguments. and We know what they are. Maybe the argument is, my sin is too great. How could I be a Christian? Well, friends, let us not limit the sacrifice of Christ. David's sin was great even as a Christian. And the sacrifice of Christ, it covered him. My sin, some will say, is too small that I would not bother the Lord. It's a light view of sin. The word tells us if the righteous are scarcely saved, what of the rest of us? Some will say, uh, but you see, this Christian life, I couldn't keep this walk. Friends, what is the office of Christ? He's a prophet. He's a priest. But he is a king. He's the one that conquers. He's the one that subdues. Faith. Faith lays its trust upon the beloved, upon his righteousness, upon him. You know, outwardly, looking at Felix, had this been part of his experience, our second point would not have been that Felix was only trembling. It would have been that Felix had trusted. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have a convenient season. I will call for thee. Friend, the prayer is this evening that each and every soul that is gathered within the confines of this building, it will be a trembling in Jesus Christ, seeing his majesty and his glory. And that will be when we see ourselves what we see 
the grace that is in Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. Our eternal and ever-blessed Lord, we draw before thee, thanking thee for even these words that we have read. Ah, we thank thee, Lord, that they are words of instruction, but they are also solemn words, words of warning. And yet in the warning, there is the grace of God, the grace of God to us. So ever blessed and eternal one, we pray that thou would follow with thy blessing. And may it be so that thou would call men and women and young people unto thyself. And all we ask is in the name of the Redeemer, for his sake. Amen.